Good morning. This is Ricky Jones and Jonathan Dorst here with another episode of From Sunday to Monday. And uh, today's a very uh, dark, uh, somber day in America. We had uh, tragedies over the weekend with the tragic shooting deaths of uh, Philander Castile and Alton Sterling. And then last night we had the uh, just horrific response of violence to violence as five policemen now, we found out, have been killed in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just awful. You know, it's the kind of day that you just... I told my wife today I wanted to go home, pull the blankets over my head, and suck my thumb until it all got better. You know, I just want... Yeah. I want to pretend like this isn't happening. I want to uh, sleep until somebody else fixes it. Um, it's a day where your heart hurts and where you get angry and you wish there were something you could do, and uh, there's not, really. There's nothing just right there uh, that you can do to fix it. It's not like a plumbing leak in the house. So, what do, you, what do you think, Jonathan? What's kind of been your feelings and responses today? Yeah, I think I tend to be more analytical than emotional, um, but I'm certainly saddened. Um, interesting i've been reading a fair bit about the middle east and uh, one of the commentators on tv was it was a former fbi agent and he was asked you know have you ever seen anything like the massacre in dallas mm. the police officers and he said in the middle east mm. we have mm. and i just started to think you know we don't have any moral high ground mm. over the middle east i mean there are Sunnis and Shiites who are the same religion, same nationality that are killing each other. And uh, in America, we have people who are the same, a lot of the times the same religion, same nationality, mm. who are killing each other. And it's, it's on a different scale for sure, but um, there's, there's hatred, there's evil in people's hearts everywhere, and it's... Um, if I didn't believe in original sin, <laughs> mm. the news convinces me pretty quickly. So I'm sad. Um, trying to figure out how to respond. Yeah. And uh, we did. We did get some questions, Ricky. From. Um, well, let me, before we jump into okay. theirs, let me sure. just you know I don't, I don't know what your first response was. Um, yeah, you know, what was it like when you first heard about the the ambush last night how, how did you respond uh, there was some disbelief mm. but then sort of well it makes a little sense mm-hmm. there's, yeah. there's a lot of anger um, and a lot of anger in the black community and unfortunately most people have more constructive ways of, of talking about their anger but there yeah. are people who are going to Take the worst route. Yeah, I was I was horrified, disgusted, disappointed, but not surprised. I just was not shocked. I, I uh, honestly, I'm I'm surprised that nothing like this has happened sooner. I think there's so much despair in in some black communities, and the idea that it's just not this is not going to get better. Yeah, that. Um, uh, and and just sinfully speaking, responding to violence with violence, it it feels like the right thing to do. I think that's why 
we love, you know, Batman and, uh, um, oh, what, what do you call those people who just go out and... Uh, vigilante. Vigilante. Yeah. We love vigilante movies so much. It just feels like the right thing to do. Yeah. Somebody uh, killed one of my friends. I should go kill him, you know, and um, it it's not. <laughs> it's not the right thing. It's awful. Uh, innocent, you know, all we did was kill more innocent people last night. It's, it's right. absolutely just horrifying. But um, it's just, unfortunately, like you said, because we know about original sin and we know the human heart, it's just not shocking. Yeah. And history has played that out over yeah. and over again. The yeah. Hatfields and McCoys. Well, the Middle East has been responding East, to violence right. with violence for centuries. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and one of the blessings of this country, you know, supposedly the blessing of democracy is we don't have to do that. But when people don't have hope... Um, they're going to reach for violence as a last resort. Hopefully, we can keep it a last resort and not a first resort. Hopefully, I, my prayer today has been that the, the murders last night horrified the nation to the point of being quiet. They, that it didn't inspire a whole you know land of vigilantes to go do the same thing. I'm, I'm hoping. Uh, I think we have to hope. So. Yeah, let's get your questions, and then uh, we're just going to make whatever points you want to make. Today's just... For those of you listening who haven't listened to other podcasts, usually we have kind of an agenda, but in some ways this is just self-therapy. <laughs> Jonathan and I felt like we had to do something, and this is what we do for a living. We talk, and so uh, we wanted to just talk and try to give some biblical perspective to people, and uh, and so that's, that's all we're going to do. Yeah, We had somebody write in a question, why are people so quick to assume that the shooting of a black person by police is racially motivated? That's a good question. I don't. I think the way I would respond to that is this: um, when we see it, when when people see a white police officer shoot a black person, we don't necessarily think that it happened because he was black. Like the white police officer just thought, you know, while he was eating breakfast this morning what i really want to do is kill a black person but it it becomes more than suspicious when you know this is the fifth or sixth case in the last three three or four years you know we had ferguson missouri had two cases in ohio we had queens new york we've uh you know now we have baton rouge and minnesota and uh, south carolina and there's just been others and others and it's always seems to be it not in every videotape I've seen, it's always been a white police officer killing a black person. Mm-hmm. And that just becomes more than a little suspicious. And it, it it continues the narrative that, and this is just a hard truth uh, for whites like myself to embrace, and that is that we don't live in the same country. Uh, Jonathan, you and I were just talking about how I've never been afraid of a policeman in my life. I've never been hit by a policeman. I've never been pulled over for a ridiculous reason by a policeman. Every time I've been pulled over, I deserved it. Yeah, me too. Uh, I've not gotten tickets that I should have gotten instead of the other way around. Uh, And, you know, person after person, African-American after African-American, even Raul, our Hispanic friend, talks about just flat out getting pulled over just because he was brown and in the wrong neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And it is a different America. And, and, so we're not saying necessarily, I don't think anyone is saying this policeman shot this man because he was black 
as much as we're saying he wouldn't have shot him if he had been white. And that's wrong. That's just wrong. Um, blacks aren't getting the same treatment. And um, and I think we're getting upset about incidents where uh, they're unarmed right. black men or they're, they're not doing anything. That, I'm sure there are dozens, probably even hundreds of examples of police officers shooting minorities, but they were justified in whatever, drug deals or whatever. But we don't – those don't come to light. Right. Um, the the ones that do though, they do they do say something about our society. Yeah, and 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 just the continuing case of there not being justice. Uh, when when there are failures of justice, people will go to despair, chaos, and anarchy. And um, you know, my the, the case that really just appalled me the most because I have four boys of my own and they all play with airsoft guns and the video of Tamil Rice, you know, playing with his airsoft gun in a park, the 911 call where the woman says there's a boy out here playing with a gun. I think it's a toy gun, uh, but he's scaring people. And then a policeman pulls up and and shoots him and and the car's not even there for four seconds and he kills him and they don't, they don't administer first aid. And Mm -hmm. it's just appalling. And then there's no justice for the policeman. There's no, uh, he wasn't even fired, much less, uh, you know, in prison, incarcerated. And again, I think the African-American community is saying that would not have happened if he'd been a white 14-year-old boy. Yeah. It, there's at least not any videotape cases of that happening. And that's, that's tragic. Um, it's tragic. Uh, that, that kind of brings me to the, you know, one of the points I wanted to make today uh, was about the Black Lives Matter movement. And when a lot of my friends have responded well-intentioned to the Black Lives Matter movement by saying, well, white lives matter too. And uh, nobody's debating that. Nobody's saying that a black life should be more valuable than a white life. Right. What, what the Black Lives Matter movement is trying to say, and though it's got many voices and many are just uh, pretty extreme, but what they're trying to say is black lives should matter as much as a white life. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine put it well. He, uh, he's, a, he's, a friend of, he's a pastor in Memphis, and he's planting a, an interracial church and has, is very sensitive to these kinds of things. And he, he said that when uh, you imagine yourself being at your grandmother's funeral, and uh, as you're mourning your grandmother, somebody just jumps into the room, runs into the room and says, Hey, my grandmother died too. All grandmothers matter. That's just terribly inappropriate. That's that's insensitive. It's not mm-hmm. even taking the time to get the right, to understand what's being said. Um, no one is saying white lives don't matter. No one is saying police lives don't matter. But, but they are saying, the, the young protesters are saying, we need to be respected. African-American lives should be respected as much as white lives. And a big part of the problem as, as a white American is the perception, I believe the accurate perception, that we're not listening, that we're just not listening. And we need to stop defending ourselves. Nobody's saying this is your fault. Nobody's saying if you're, you're white and you know, this is equally your fault and you should feel guilty. It's not a white guilt issue and all that kind of uh, nonsense. 
but it's just people crying out saying we're not being treated fairly. And if we don't listen to them and if we don't address those problems, then their voices are, are only going to get louder and more violent. Yeah. That's understandable. It is. Is our goal a more racially conscious society or a more racially blind society? What do you think about that? That's a great question. Um, I think both. Um, I think our goal is... Our goal as America, we had it set out perfectly for us on July 4th, 1776. Our goal should be to create a society where we believe all men are created equal, endowed by God with certain inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, Everybody should get that. Everybody should be respected. Um, I am a white man. I can only think as a white man. It's okay to be conscious of that. Uh, Black people, brown people... um, they're always going to think as those kinds of people. I don't think our goal is to ignore race as much as to show respect for race. I don't think there's anything. I personally, and I don't know anybody who disagrees, I don't think there's anything wrong with acknowledging differences in race. And, um, you know, some people are just different than others, and, and that's okay. And, I, and those differences should be respected. I, uh, the phrase that came out a few years ago, it's been a while now, is we should try to make America into a salad bowl, not not a melting pot. We don't want people to lose their distinctives. We want to recognize that each distinctive is valuable. Yeah. And so I think um, I think to some degree, you know, that is a great goal. That's a great way of thinking about it. Uh, it's okay that you have even that you have you know certain parts of town where concentrations tend to develop. That that's fine. If it's voluntarily, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. But they should be respected. They should get equal protection under the law. Mm-hmm. Their parts of town should have, you know, equal schools. They're just as good, and 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 the people there should have an opportunities. And so I don't, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that question. That's that's a, it's not an either or. It's a both and. We have so much interracial marriage going on now that uh, maybe in four or five generations, races won't exist anymore. I don't know, but. Uh, and I said that seriously. I, I don't know, but I, I think that from my perspective, the key is that to, we recognize every man's rights. Yeah. What would you say to that? Yeah, I think my story um, of growing up, I grew up in big cities, going to public schools with lots of different kinds of kids. And um, I, I'd like to think of myself as a racially blind kid. Um, but I think as I grew up, and uh, probably way too late, just just starting to realize um, the reality of white privilege mm. in for for me. Um, you know, I think I probably fooled myself for a long time, thinking everything I have is because I worked hard. And if minorities would just work harder, they could have what I have. And that was really ignoring um, that a lot of minorities don't have one tenth the access to places of privilege and, and halls of power that, that I have and that I've had in my life. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know that I've worked harder than, than a lot of minorities, but I've been able to, to certainly make a great living for my family. And I've, and as you know, you mentioned earlier getting, we've, I've never been followed mm-hmm. in, in a store and, and I have, I had black friends growing up who would get regularly 
profiled. And, uh, and, and I've never had that happen to me. Yeah. And I've never been kept out of something because of my race. And, uh, and I don't think it's something that's, you know, that we got over in the 70s or whatever. Um, we, saw, we saw evidence in the uh, SAE fraternity video at OU. Wow. Um, of how that kind of thinking still happens. I don't think that was an isolated incident. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's something that's been going on. I, you know, I guess there's two or three different issues we, we could talk about, and mm-hmm. I want to try to keep it focused, if we can, to this issue of kind of reaction to, to police violence and, and violence. Uh, you know, I, uh, I personally have... You know, only had one experience. You know, really being seeing police police brutality up close. I didn't really see it, um, but a friend of mine. It was just an example of how easy it is to let evil go on in your culture. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine was robbed. Uh, she she was alone in her house with her daughter, and uh, an African American broke in, stole a camera, and ran off. She called the police. The police found him, arrested him. And uh, she had to go down to the police station to make a report. And so as her pastor, I, I went down there just to speak to her a little bit and, you know, comfort her until her husband got there. And when her husband got there, I left uh, and me and a friend stopped by the, the chief of police's office just to thank him for catching this guy so quickly. And the chief of police smiled. I'll never forget this. He smiled and he said, well, we we're not going to have any more, she won't have any more trouble with that guy. I'm pretty sure I heard him slip on the floor when he came in downstairs. Wow. And just recognizing, wow, I, I was just brazenly told about police brutality. Mm-hmm. And I didn't say anything. I, I was just stunned, and I remained silent. And that was a, that's a condemnable silence. Uh, that's not okay. Yeah. It is not okay to return evil for evil. It is not okay to respond uh, with violence. And um, so I, I think, you know, again, recognizing that that is that's a different treatment for a segment of our society that is not fair, it is not right. And we've got to deal with it. It's been going on for so, so long. It was going on in the 60s when water hoses were used against Martin Luther King and, um, and Dolphus Weary and uh, John Perkins was was beaten within an inch of his life right in front of his his children. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, it, it was happened in the uh, in the 90s with Rodney King being videotaped and and nothing has changed and it's happening again now. And I think this sense that nothing has changed is just really boiling up in people. Right. Um, one of the worst things I heard was last night when uh, there was a march in Washington D.C. I can't remember his name. I should. I should have looked it up. I, I want to say John Conyers, but that may not be right. But uh, a man who's been a leader in the with the NAACP and for African American rights for decades stood up and spoke to the crowds. And when he pled for peaceful resolution, he he pled with the crowds, remain peaceful. Uh, they booed him. They silenced him with their, their boos, and um, and that's frightening. That's terrible. Not surprising, but it's scary. Well, what can we as Christians do in the midst of this violence? How can, how are we called to respond to these tragedies? 
That's a great question. That is the question of the day, isn't it? I think I think one thing we're called to do is to listen. We need to to give our African mother uh, African American mothers and brothers and, and, and sisters and fathers a voice and listen to what they're saying. Uh, I would encourage you to uh, reach out and, and do something as a, as a show of solidarity. Um, this would be a great Sunday to go to church in an African-American church. Uh, if, you, uh, if you see, you know, scan your newspapers today for prayer meetings and Bible studies in African-American churches and go. Just to, not to teach, please don't say a word. Just go and pray and listen and cry. And grieve, grieve with our brothers. Um, pray, and specifically, we need to pray for a leader. You know, our nation was spared so much violence by God providing a leader like Martin Luther King in the '60s, mm-hmm. and we desperately need a leader who will not shut up, who will speak up, and will embody the frustrations and articulate the desires of the African-American community uh, and keep doing that until he is heard, and but do that in a peaceful, positive sort of way. Uh, please pray for a leader like that. When, when there's not a leader, then we have anarchy. Uh, that's what I've been praying for uh, for the last two or three days, that the Lord would raise up uh, an African-American leader uh, like Martin Luther King, someone who can... Uh, who can speak to the majority, to the white majority, in a way that wins their hearts and shuts their mouths and makes them not feel defensive, makes them not feel like they have to defend evil actions, but just makes them want to listen and change and do something. Uh, We desperately need that. Um, And then I would just encourage you to do something. Do what you do. Uh, If you are a prayer, pray. If you are, uh, that's why we're doing this podcast, because I'm a talker, so I talk. This is all I can do. Um, if you are a check writer, if God's given you means, make a donation to uh, an African-American ministry, a, a peace organization, somebody who preaches the gospel uh, in African-American communities. If you are a protester, protest. If you are a writer, write. If you have knowledge of people with influence, if you know uh, city uh, counselors or senators or representatives, please contact them. We cannot just wait for this to simmer down and not do anything again. That's the one thing we've got to vow to do. We've got to make changes so that people's rights are being protected. So please, you know, write if you, especially for those of you who know them. We all know that there's empowered people and, un, and unempowered people. If you know people of influence, please talk to them about what can be done. Republicans have got to lay down their red tribe. Democrats have got to lay down their blue colors and and we've got to come together to find an answer this is not an you know one of the things i was praying for uh, jonathan i'm sorry just to dominate this but um, one of the things i was praying for was that the nra would actually pick up the case of uh of philander castillo he was a licensed carry uh licensed armed to carry uh person he had rights to have his sidearm and was killed for having it and I was just thinking if, if the NRA or some powerful, predominantly white center of influence were all of a sudden to take up his case, yeah. then this is not a black-white issue. This is a human issue. And, and it is a human And it's got to get changed. No one, no one in the world 
especially no one in this country, should feel afraid that they're going to get pulled over and, and brutalized by policemen. That's got to it's got to change, and it does happen way more than we hear about. Um, according to the Washington Post, three people a day are killed by policemen. Now, I'm one who assumes that 90% of that is justified, but we have no way of knowing. We really don't. If if these two murders over the weekend had not been videotaped, then all we would have known was uh, two armed black men were killed by policemen. That's all we would have heard. Uh, yeah, and I think we need to find a way. Anger, anger over injustice can be very godly anger. Uh, but we need to find a way, even in the midst of our anger, to find compassion. Mm-hmm. And, and I think as Christians, we need to try to encourage compassion with people we talk to. Yeah. Because, I mean, you mentioned there are a lot of people, especially white people, who are, who are defensive. Mm-hmm. And, um, but if we can encourage them with compassion, Jesus, well, I think Jesus wants us to see each other. And he, he said, love your enemies. Mm-hmm. Right? He doesn't say you're not going to have enemies at mm-hmm. times. But love them. Have compassion for them. Have compassion for uh, these men being killed, their families, both in the black community and, and police as well. They're, they're increasingly, police officers are increasingly getting into no-win situations and feeling it's just awful. They can't, like they can't win. Um, and they have a hard job. Yeah. And we need to be compassionate towards them. And I, I just want to pick up on something you said earlier, too, just about um, I think with social media, need to be very careful, mm-hmm. especially as as white people in the dominant culture. We need to be very careful what we say. Think before you tweet something like "All Lives Matter," because mm-hmm. that does communicate more than you maybe intend mm-hmm. to communicate, um, and, and it can it can without even us intending. It can basically nullify uh, the Black Lives Matter concerns. And so just I would just say let's be very careful about what we, we put on social media and what we say. And I love your exhortation to listen and learn. We, we can all learn. Yeah. Yeah, just to double back because it's so important. Uh, I really think today is a day you know, Ecclesiastes says there's a time for everything. There's a time to speak and a time to refrain from speaking. And I think today is a day when some of us need to restrain, refrain from speaking. Um, I, I said, you know, on Twitter today, I just said I, I wasn't going to go on. Uh, I think, you know, Twitter, Facebook, those are great places for pictures of kittens and uh, cute videos of your children. But if you're going to contribute to a sensitive, painful discussion. Think long and hard about what you're about to write. Think about how it's going to look to people who don't agree with you. And ask yourself, am I sure this is going to help? And if I'm not sure it's going to help, then please erase it. That's that's valuable. That is. Um, You know, and I think, I, I do think, we can't overestimate the uh, the importance of justice. Uh, you know, we had a couple of tragedies in, in the Oklahoma area. Have I already talked about this? No. You know, we had a couple of tragedies in the Oklahoma area in the last couple of years, and they were handled well. And I think 
they were actually points of healing instead of points of of violence and, and frustration, you know. And, and they were like in Tulsa, it was a true tragedy. What I think it was two years ago, a sheriff's deputy uh, reached for his taser. He meant to grab his taser, instead he re- grabbed his pistol. He fired it. He killed a, a young man. Um, and and the city of Tulsa ha- Tulsa handled it correctly. They they had a full transparency, a full investigation. Uh, the deputy, who I feel sorry for, I think he made an honest mistake, but he's in jail, and that's the right place for him to be. You cannot kill somebody; you just can't. Uh, and and the sheriff who was over that deputy was was removed from office, and we had elections to replace him. That's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And because I, I think largely because that was handled correctly and justice was served, you know, Tulsa was not ripped apart um, by violence, and and that's not always been the case in the history of Tulsa. So that's I want to just kind of lift that out there, kind of leave it as a you know a kudos. That's a good example of what can be done, and uh, and to give us an idea of what to strive for. We need to strive for justice. So. Amen. I don't really have anything else to say. Do you? No, I don't. Should we pray? Yeah, yeah. Will you pray for us? Father, we we plead for your grace. We plead for your restraining hand in the boiling cauldron of emotion um, in our cities, our communities. Um, we pray for cooler heads to prevail. We pray that you through your Holy Spirit, would give us wisdom in how to act and how to love our enemies and love our neighbors better. And Father, we pray that you would bring leaders who would deal justly, speak truth with courage, and uh, lead our nation into um, better relationships among races, among the police and citizens. And, uh, and Father, we just pray you'd bring about great healing. We pray for the families of um, those who've been killed in these recent events. We pray that you would help them to grieve, bring them hope, bring them peace, um, and in a way through their anger, in a way through their grief. Father, we thank you that we always have hope because of the cross of Christ who took all of our sin upon him and because of his resurrection, which guarantees us new life and a hope in the next life. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. I hope this has been helpful. Uh, We'll have some more podcasts for you next week. Go in peace.